Hello there, I'm Miranda Gretton and this is Take a Moment with NCHC, the show where we talk to you and your colleagues about experiences that affect you. Listen on your drive between patients or in your downtime, whenever you get the chance to take a moment. My name is Rebecca Gaylor and I work as a clinical educator for NCH&C and I predominantly look after the TNA stream um, as well as other learners within the trust. Um, Hello, my name is Kim Holland. I'm the registered nursing associate, newly registered in March 2022 and I work in the matrons team in Norwich, also for Norfolk Community Health and Care. Rebecca, you mentioned there the TNA, so that stands for Trainee Nursing Associate. So could you define that role for me? What does that mean? Absolutely. Just a little bit of background. The role was originally introduced in response to the Shape of Caring Review in 2015. And the idea of that would be to help build the capacity of the nursing workforce and deliver better quality care for our patients. The nursing associate role is a generic nursing role in England. So the idea is is that it bridges the gap between the healthcare support worker and a registered nurse. So when I say generic, that just means that you can be from any speciality. So you can be children's, uh, learning disabilities, adults, and that's just to name a few. So they've gained a nursing associate foundation degree. And this typically involves two years of higher level study as well. It was originally introduced to support nurses and other members of the multidisciplinary team. So a TNA can work in social care as well as health care. And a TNA in the community, for example, will have, will have different responsibilities of that of a TNA on the ward. The word trainee in there, so you're you're really doing that as a springboard to be a registered nurse. Is that kind of the obvious next step? You could do that, but not necessarily. So you're a trainee nursing associate. So when you qualify, you would be a registered nursing associate. So that is a role all in itself. So that a top up to a registered nurse would be one of the options. But you don't have to do that. What is the main difference between a registered nurse and a TNA? I look at it as bridging the gap. So you've got your healthcare support worker, you've got your nursing associate who's done a two year foundation degree, and then you've got your registered nurse that's done the three year degree. So the roles all overlap. Kim, you were a TNA and then you moved into a registered nursing associate role. So what made you want to do that to take that next step? I think because I've always wanted to do nursing ever since I was eight years old, always, and never had the opportunity. And I'm a little bit later in life to study. So when I saw the apprenticeship, they were for the government first started talking about the apprenticeship. And I worked in social care then. Every job I do, no matter what it is, I always try and step up and and learn and do something different, you know, something extra that I can do for my patients always. So when I worked in social care, I did the same. I did my NVQs um, and other management bits and, and courses that I could get online and things like that. Went back into the NHS in 2018. The apprenticeship was really rolling then and things were then moving on and they were then going to start doing the NMC part of it as well. And I thought, this is it. I just have to apply. So I'd done 10 months in my team at Wyndham and I, uh, I applied and here I am. 
for me, it was perfect. You learn, you get paid, you go to college or university one day a week. The rest of the time you spend either in your team or on spoke days and things like that. And that was just, I just found for me, it was perfect. Absolutely perfect. What's a spoke day, Kim? What does that so mean? So spoke days, you have certain criteria that you have to fill to get your qualification at the end. And one of those was spoke days. So I would ring up different teams. I went to HMP Bure in the prison. I went there for two days. And um, I did the mental health side of the spoke there. And I also did the nursing side of the spoke there. I also went to a GP surgery. I learned so much. Every time I went on a spoke, I always came out different. You also have things like protected learning, don't you? So does that is that time yeah. in your day when you're allowed to do your uh, uni work? No, the uni work, I always did my uni work at home, I have to say. The protected learning, I spent a lot of time with my assessor. We went out on days. 10-hour shifts, we were out for together, um, experiencing different patients, you know, hands-on. And for me, that is a really great way of learning. I'm very much a hands-on person. I mean, I have no history uh, of nursing as such. So I started right from the beginning. And to me, that was just great. The protected learning was also amazing. How did you manage that then in terms of the split between the work that you have to do your at uni, the work you have to do just for your job and also just your home life? Was it did you find that quite hectic, that balance or was it? Manageable? Uh, yes, it is hectic, I have to say. But I think for me, my strategy was not to look too far ahead. So we used to go to college and we were at City College for our foundation degree and on a Tuesday, so you'd have two modules and you had 10 weeks to do these two modules in and get your work in at the end. So often it was a presentation and an essay that seemed to be very common to what we had to do. And so every night I would come in, you know, and have my tea and then just start studying, really. And maybe I just sit on the iPad and do some study that way, looking up different bits for, say, my presentation or something like that. Maybe I'd go to the UEA library because we were also with the UEA. So I might go and pick some books up. And probably the last two weeks of the module, I'd then say, right, I've got my head around it now. I know what I'm doing. I'll start typing or doing whatever I had to do. And you kind of get into a routine really as well. And I think your family get into a routine as well. So I'd sort of say, right, the last couple of weeks, you know, it's going to be hectic. It's worth it. You know, people say, oh, yeah, two years. And I said, but no, it's it goes really quickly. You learn so much. Before you've done one module, you're on to the next. It, it, you know, I never was bored. I was, um, and I didn't feel stressed either. I think once you get your strategy right, you're off. Yeah, that is a really good point, Kim. I think people could maybe look at it and think, oh, that's a huge amount of work. It's a long time. It's a lot to, to undertake alongside a day job. But actually, you're right. If you have some coping strategies, and I'm sure that your assessors and your support in terms of the course, I'm sure that they would give some options and some advice around that. You know, did, did you have that from them? Yes, my assessor was amazing and was on call, literally. She was on, you know, I could text her at two in the morning and she would reply, you know, uh, she was amazing. Um, so, yes, you have all uh, you have all them other people, you have clinical education to fall back on, don't you? Your tutors at college, you're, you know, the people you, you're with at college as well, because they, we've all got different experiences. Rebecca, from your perspective then, so Kim is, is undertaking the course and she's doing the learning, but from your perspective, you're kind of the people who are helping to deliver that. So what, what does that look like in your role? What, what is the role of the clinical educator with regards to those TNAs? 
for TNA. So I, I'm kind of there from the beginning. So I'll help with the interview process. So I'll work quite closely with career development and I'll help with the TNA interviews. And then once they've been successful in post, then it will be myself who makes contact as well in terms of, you know, what they need to do before they start. So again, that's working closely with career development. So, for example, the manager will need to order some new uniform and things like that. We will also then do an induction. So we'll kind of introduce the new role within the trust and what they'll be doing. We'll also talk about protected learning because a lot of the time people think that you, for example, you just you can only do it being supernumerary. But actually, if there's other things that come up, that also counts as protected learning. So, um, for example, if you're on the ward and you see an occupational therapist that's about to do, you know, a really interesting review with a patient and they say, oh, can I come along? Can I join? That's protected learning. So a lot of people don't realise things like that. So we go through that. Um, I also attend quite a lot of regular meetings with UEA. So we like to keep on track with hours and things like that. We also advise in terms of placements as well. So it might be that the NCHC TNAs will go on placement to an acute trust. So the Norfolk and Norwich or Queen Elizabeth, and then we will also help the TNAs from the acute trust come to NCHC and make sure that they've, you know, had a nice time and had a good placement. At the end of the course, we've recently started this in the last year, we also do a study day for TNAs because once you go from the band three trainee nursing associate to a band four nursing associate, there's more tasks um, in relation to the new band. So that's constantly being reviewed. But one of them, for example, is as a nursing associate, you would then do catheters for men. So we would put on a training day and just make sure that um, that's all done as well. In terms of pastoral support, again, everybody's different. So Everyone's got a different way of studying, learning. Some people would prefer to go to their assessors for support and some people prefer to go to me, which is absolutely fine. And then some people prefer to go to their, their manager. And we also go out with TNAs as well. So I've been known to go out with a TNA to a patient's house. I don't do it, but I watch them look after the patient and, for example, give an insulin to a patient and I'll provide feedback for them as well because as part of the role of a trainee nursing associate you also need to get feedback from patients and from your peers and from other people on you know how you've done so that's something else we can help with as well um, so there is quite a lot in there and each of us as part of the education team will do that for a different stream so behind the scenes I can see the bigger picture so, for example, we've got two cohorts due to finish and they will hand in all of their work in September. And I know how many hours all of them have done and I know who's met their hours, who needs to do more hours and who's got an essay left to hand in. So it's quite good for somebody to have the bigger picture just to keep an eye on it as well. Just make sure it all runs smoothly. So, Kim. What's the benefit of having somebody qualified as a registered nursing associate in the team? 
So I'm in the matrons team in Norwich. So we deal and look after very complex patients who have a long term condition, as an example would be um, COPD, cancer, dementia, things like that. And I felt the very first day I started was February the 14th. It will be a day I remember forever. And I just hit the floor running. And I think that's because of the apprenticeship. The things I'd experienced in the two and a half years, obviously with the pandemic, the placements that I'd done, the amount of things I'd learned at college on the foundation degree was incredible. And I just sat there and I said, I'm ready, let's go. That, I think, was the first thing I brought to it. Straight in and I was off. Within a couple of weeks, unfortunately, our team, a lot of our team went off sick with COVID. So again, another thing that I brought to the team was, well, I can do it. You know, there was only two of us left. So I took on some patients that perhaps were very, well, very complex, but I, I could do it. And I, I just had the confidence and I just knew that I could look after these patients and some of them I'm still looking after now. So I think, again, that's the apprenticeship has given me that confidence, that leadership skills, which we is our last essay that we did was leadership. And I wrote this essay from where I started and I actually thought I had all the skills to be a nurse when I first started. I came out of the first session from clinical ed and I went, no, I haven't. I just, I just, I was wrong. And I wrote this in the essay and where I'd changed and the things that I've had to deal with in, in you know, obviously not with the pandemic, but all sorts of different things that I've come across to where I am then, February the 14th, is different to where I am now. I've changed again. So I think with the apprenticeship, that's what we can bring. I'm helping out the community team as well. Um, if they're in escalation, you know, and that sort of thing. Like this morning, they asked me, could I do some insulins? Yep, that's great. I've got that. I know how I can do that. That's within my competencies. So again, I think that's what the apprenticeship has brought me as well. The confidence that I can do these skills. Also at the handover now, I've got all the, you know, the confidence I've got now to hand over patients, but also to say, actually, I could help you with that. I could put that referral in. I could ring social services. I could go and visit this patient and do X, Y, and Z. That I never had before the apprenticeship either. So it really has completely changed me in a very good way. I've just applied for the um, nursing degree apprenticeship. So I'm hoping if I'm successful that I'll be able to, to do that and go and top up to band five. So I'm quite excited about it. See what happens. So, Rebecca, if you don't want to top up the way that Kim is planning to do, how could you further your role as a nursing associate? There's lots of things you could do. So you don't have to top up to do the BAM5 registered nurse. So once you qualify as a registered nursing associate, the support doesn't end there. A couple of my colleagues would then guide the nursing associate through the preceptorship programme that runs once you qualify. There's also new additional skills that you can do depending on where you work. Um, but for example, some nursing associates might look at doing some further courses with tissue viability. So compression bandaging. There's also some really good courses run by the palliative care team as well that we always recommend. Our nursing associates in a ward area can also learn how to verify a patient's death as well. So that's a really specialised community skill that they're picking up there. Um, another thing that a lot of areas are not aware of is our nursing associates could also enhance their own skills in education and supervision. So 
towards the end of preceptorship, if our nursing associates wanted to do our supervisor and assessor training, that's absolutely fine. So a nursing associate can supervise a trainee nursing associate. And we've had some really good feedback in the past that the trainee nursing associate loved being supervised and assessed by somebody who'd actually done the course themselves because they were more understanding about what was involved and the pressures that were involved. Um, so there's quite a lot really that you can do if you didn't want to top up, but then we also have the option there as well to apply. And we have obviously cohorts running regularly throughout the year to do the nursing degree apprenticeship as well. So Kim, can you explain to me, I understand that you're an ambassador for Health Education England. What does that entail? Yeah, because obviously it's a very new role to the NHS and I think the Health Education England realised this and there's lots of myths and things about the role. So they decided to bring in ambassadors um, and I was lucky of one of the ones who was asked to, to do this. So we meet every quarter. We discuss different things about the, the TNA role and our role is basically to um, promote, like today, the um, TNA course and obviously the RNA role. I've done all sorts really. I've been to schools and uh, talked to students there. I've done that several times in the local area. I've been to a couple of careers days as well that have been held in Norwich um, and also spoken to um, hundreds, of, hundreds of children came through over those two days who were really interested in being paid to learn. And I think with obviously with the cost of living and everything at the moment going up and up, I think it's going to be a really big thing, these apprenticeships across everywhere, not just the NHS, everywhere. Even individually, I've got people who come up to me at, in, at NCHC and say, well, what is a TNA? Why are you wearing a different, or I was wearing a different uniform? What is it all about? So that's what the ambassadors are for, really. So it could be locally, it could be nationally that we've been asked to promote this role. I'm so passionate about it. When I heard, I said, yes, I've got to do it. I just, I just, I've got to do it. I've got to promote it. I can see what a difference it makes. Um, we're here to help the registered nurses, but we're also here to help all the workforce, so be the assistant practitioners, the healthcare assistants, students. I've had students myself from the UEA. That's what we're here for and for our patients and for their families. And every time I go out, you know, you can see the difference that we're making. Don't be put off by the thinking, oh, how am I going to cope with it? Is it a lot of work? Yes, it is a lot of work, but you'll you'll get that sorted. You know, just take each module at a time, apply and see where you go from there. You won't regret it. I don't. It's given me a career. It's make, made me employable for the first time in my life. Um, and I got paid to learn. How good can that be? Thank you for listening to Take a Moment with NCHC. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please visit the podcast intranet page to leave a comment and for details of our other episodes. You can also follow NCHC on all social media channels.